I'm going to hand over to Richard, who's going to read and pray. The reading is taken from Mark chapter 11, verses 15 to 17. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a robber's den. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you so much that we can come into your presence. We thank you that you've invited us into your house. In a sense, we are the house of God, but also we are coming into your presence. We thank you so much as we were reminded earlier of the precious blood of Christ that provides access for us into the Holy of Holies. We thank you that we can worship you in spirit and truth, Father. The beautiful God revealed to us in Jesus, we thank you that we can worship him in spirit and in truth through his precious blood that was shed for us on the cross. We thank you that we can have confidence to stand before your throne of grace because we've been clothed in his righteousness. Lord, we thank you. And we pray now that we would hear your voice speaking to us. We would hear your word speaking to us clearly. And you would give us the grace to obey and to do your word. We pray for Matt that you would, you would help him as he speaks. That you give him and fill him with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Quite a lot of me this morning. I sorry about that. Woo! Oh, yes, that's nice. Thank you so much. You have filled me with a glow, an inner glow. My name's Matt. My privilege to lead the team here, and you're really welcome as we continue and finish our series, praying together. Do you ever watch those uh, programs? It seems that they're often on in my house about like grand designs. Brenda's really keen. You like that program, do you? Do you have like a dream? Do you have a dream house? What would your dream house have in it? Lots of, a big garden? Who'd like a big garden? Yeah, a big garden. Who'd like a swimming pool? I know my son would love a swimming pool, you know, coming into the house. A swimming pool that goes through the kitchen, you know. I think my son Samuel would like kind of a a whole water park, really, for a house. Wouldn't you, Samuel? A water park for a house. That would be kind of something you'd want. Dream houses. Shark pit. Are you like some baddie from 007? Yeah. Come around for community group. I'll baptize you in the shark pit. Seriously, a shark pit. Like, like, like with sharks in it, real sharks. Dolphins. I'm just trying to get my mind around your mind. I can empathize. No, I can't. A shark pit. And a a dangerous aquarium. That's what you want, isn't it? A dangerous one. Yeah, for your kids to fall in. Would you put like a banister around it? No, you just let let them play with danger, don't you? Just dance around the edge. There's no rules in this house. Shark pit. Okay, good. Each to their own. What would you like in, in your ideal house? What would you like? 
Anybody else got any ideas? Not sure. Pardon? Cinema? Peace and quiet. Whew, you can't, yes. Peace and quiet. You've got your massive shed, though, haven't you, in your garden, Jason? That's, that's your place for peace. Jason, Jason's got all the tools. If you, want any, you know, if you want anything built, Jason's the man. Just, yeah, so he's got all these tools. He could cut everything. He's, he's, he's the man. So that's, the, your, that's where your peace and quiet is, isn't it, in the shed? Yeah. So why am I saying this? We've all got desires. Live in the country. Live in the city. Big house, small house, cottage in the country. I quite have this vision sometimes, imagination, living in the countryside, having a little cottage in the middle of nowhere, getting away from everybody. It's not you, obviously. You, you can all come round. But this, this desire, desire of our ideal home, ideal living. Well, God also has an idea about his house. And today, my message is, let's build a house of prayer if we're moving on with the slides, let's move, build a house of prayer. That's what the kind of house that God wants to build. In summary, God wants us to build his house after his design, a house of prayer for all nations. If you could, yes, Nick. God wants to build us to build, let's just think about those, that phrase there, just summary. God wants us to build his house after his design. A house of prayer for all nations that Richard read from that scripture from Mark 11. I'll read it to you again. It's going to come up behind me. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts, began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry their merchandise through the temple courts. As he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you are making it a den of robbers. The church is God's house. Whose house? God's house. Church is God's house. So if we're involved in building it, and I invite you to be involved, and what do I mean by building the house? I mean building the church. And I don't mean the building. I mean the people. We are the church, the people. What kind of people does he want? Then we, we must listen to God. You don't have to be involved, obviously. I invite you to A, become a Christian, let Jesus into your life. But on top of that, it's really important that we follow him, isn't it? Not just let him into our lives, but why does he come into our lives? So that he can lead us. And his will, there's lots of things that are his will, but one of the big things is to be part of a church and build it into lots of things, but a house of prayer will be one of the big features of his temple, his house. It's God's house, my house. The church is not ours. You know, people say, oh, this is, my, this is the kind of church I like. This is the kind of church I like. And of course, there are a range of different approaches to things. But we must make sure that wherever church we are in, it's being built after God's word. Shaped on God's word. Being shaped on the Bible. It's a house of prayer. What is meant by the house? Well, this is talking about, originally written by Isaiah, 700 years before Christ. 
this prophecy of my house. He's talking about the temple. The temple. Firstly, there was a tabernacle, which was like a tent. And then there was a temple that was in Jerusalem. And that temple, if you read through the Old Testament, there are lots of directions by God of telling them the materials they're to use, the size it was to be, shape. Every, every aspect of the temple was designed by God. And the people of God were given directions on that. Now, we don't have a temple in that sense. There's no temples. This might be new to you. You might be new to Christianity. You might have looked at the uh, coronation yesterday, and you might have seen that at Westminster Cathedral, and it was Westminster Cathedral, was it? Westminster Abbey. There we are. See, even the terms. Westminster Abbey, and you might have thought, that's a temple. That's definitely a temple. If ever I've seen a temple, that's a temple. It's not. It's not a temple at all. It's a building. And in the New Testament, you see, this is the problem. When we start building the church, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful building. This is quite a nice building as well. But these are not the temple that God has in mind. He doesn't want us to build big buildings for his glory. He wants us to build people together, worshipping together, loving each other, loving God for his glory. Amen? That's the temple. We're the temple. Say, I'm the temple, if you're part of the temple. I'm the temple. So if that embarrasses you, but hey, let's confess it. You're a part of the temple. So that's when he says, my house, in the Old Testament, he was talking about the place in Jerusalem. This place is a house of prayer. For us, in after Jesus, it's the church, the people of God is the temple. So 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17 says this, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know, friends, that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. Don't you know? You are God's temple. God's spirit lives in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. I'm not going to go into detail about what that means. It just clearly makes the point, doesn't it, that we must revere and honor ourselves as God's temple, but one another as well. We mustn't destroy what God loves. We must build each other up, and we must seek to be holy in our own lives, because you are a part of the temple, and this is a holy temple for God himself. And so if we've got sin in our lives, we must confess it and ask for forgiveness. And he will forgive us because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are that temple. Don't destroy it. For God's temple is sacred. You together are that temple. Don't you know, he says, firstly, don't you know? So he wants you to say, yes, I know. I am this temple. I want to be reminded of this today. You together are are that temple together. The people of God, the community of God, are that temple. Ephesians 2, what, 21 to 22. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, in Jesus, you too are being built together 
to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So in Christ, it says in him. How do you become part of this temple? In Christ. What does that mean? It means to put your faith in Christ. It's to say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. You died for my sins. You rose again. I'm going to come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. If you've done that, then you are in him. And you are a part of the temple. It's very simple. Faith in Christ brings you into the temple. Makes you a part of the temple. It says a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So together as we meet this morning, God is here by the spirit. God is here, present with us. We must be aware of that. It doesn't matter how we feel. It's a promise. When we come together, he's here. Because we can feel also, you know, you may be tired today. You may have had a busy day yesterday. You may have eaten too many scones. Too many scones. How many, how many scones did you have yesterday? I had quite a few scones yesterday. Now I'm feeling a bit heavy. I'm not feeling on t- tip-top form. But that doesn't mean to, that doesn't affect God's presence, however you feel. Whatever's going on in your life, God is present. When we meet together, he's here by the Spirit. And it's so important that when we come together, we're aware that he's present. And we come full of faith and expectation to worship him, to worship Jesus, we sang that song, I see your face, you're beautiful. And we can't see one sense, can we? But we're saying in our, in our own spirit, I see your face, you are beautiful. We sing to Jesus, we speak to Jesus when we come together. It says here, this is what we are. We are God's temple. And it says in that promise, for all nations, a house of prayer for all nations. All nations. That means that God wants churches in every nation. God wants Christians in every nation. That's principally what it means. It means that in every part of the world, there are to be communities of believers worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ. This gospel is to go to the ends of the earth. So that his house is in, it's an international house that goes around the world. And obviously for us here in London, we welcome people from every nation, all religions and none, to come to know Jesus. And I hasten to add that, to come to know Jesus. Everybody needs to come to know Jesus. And we must do all we can to make it make the gospel understandable, accessible. We must make everybody feel welcome. If you're a member of this church, I hope any guest that comes through this door, you welcome them. You, you say, hello, nice to see you. And let's be, let's be as, as welcoming as we can be to every guest that comes here. If they don't know Jesus yet, make sure that we are, we are not, you know, like Jesus here. He's, he's angry that they've excluded the nations from the temple. We must welcome people from every background into this church and help them to come to know Jesus and grow in their faith. Do all we can to help them. This is God's heart revealed in this text, that God loves the nations and wants all of them to come to know Jesus Christ and to be united together 
in him. He says, but you have made it a den of robbers. You have made it. They're meant to be building this house for God. You've made it a den of robbers. They have turned a section of the temple, the outer court, into a marketplace. Now, what's this market for? This market, you might be surprised to know, is selling things for sacrifices in the temple. So you'd think it was a good thing. So they're selling cattle, sheep, pigeons, the kind of things they sacrificed in the Old Testament. And they also exchanged money, so you had the right sort of money for offerings. So you would have thought that when Jesus turned up, he would look around and say, wow, isn't this good? You guys are making provision for sacrifices here in my temple. No, he's angry. He's angry because this is presumptuous. They think what they're doing is God's will, but they're not because this space is actually meant for what's called Gentiles. That means nations. That means people who are not Jews. At the time, there were the Jews who were God's people, and then there were what's called the Gentiles, which means all other nations. And God's heart was that all nations can worship God in this temple, and by creating this marketplace, the people from other nations were being excluded were being forced out. The space for them was being taken up selfishly. This forecourt that was meant for worship was being used as a market. They thought they were doing God's will. They thought they were doing God's will. And to bring it home to us, how do we know the kind of house that God wants us to build. We can be presumptuous and say, I believe this is the way we should do it. The only way we know how to build a house of God according to God's design is in his word. We must read it carefully, study, apply it, and seek to build the church after his will. And one of those things is build a house of prayer. So let me ask us, brothers and sisters, are we devoted to coming together to pray together? I think, yes, I think we're doing, I think we're doing well. But I think this, this series and God's word will challenge all of us, every one of us, yes, fresh devotion to coming together to pray with God's people and the sacrifice that's involved for doing that. It's not, you know, there's good reasons not to. But if God's passion is clearly to build a house of prayer for all nations, let the Holy Spirit, let us all hear again this call to be devoted to prayer together as a church. In response, God wants us to build a house after his design, a house of prayer for all nations. Firstly, then, in response, become a living stone. Any building, you know, when we, when we renovated this building, it's a listed building. 
which means that you have to use certain materials. So the, the, the uh, plaster in this building has horsehair in it, believe it or not. Horsehair. Of all things, who would have thought you'd put horsehair into plaster? And who would have thought in the 21st century that we would have to put horsehair into plaster? Well, when something's listed, you have to do these anachronistic things. It's God's church is listed. It can only be built with the right materials. And can I say the, the materials of God's church are living stones. We must, the church is a gathering of Christians who are born again of the Holy Spirit. It's not just people who loosely, generally believe in God. I, you know, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe there's a God. It's not people who say, I brought, was brought up as a Christian, so, you know, I still go to church. It's not people of any faith and every faith. You know, it's all right, we've all got faith. That's, again, presumptuous. That's to make a marketplace of the temple, if I can be you know, confrontational about that. No, it's living stones. So we read in 1 Peter 2, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, that's Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There's a lot in there, and I encourage you this week, please do use the blogs. I say that regularly. Again, let me encourage you again. Please use them that will take you deeper into the teaching that we're going through together. So this is, um, he says, living stones. How do you become a living stone? Through faith in Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are born again, and the Spirit of God lives in you, and you become a living stone. And you are, the, therefore, the kind of person that can be part of God's temple. We need forgiveness of sins, don't we? If we're going to be part of God's holy temple, we need the forgiveness of our sins, and Jesus offers that to us. We need to be cleansed. We need to be made alive. We need to be made new. And all these things are done as we put our faith in Christ, and you become a living stone. So firstly, if you want to build a house of prayer for all nations, become a living stone. Become horsehair plaster, as it were. Become part of the materials God uses God uses saints. God uses Christians. Are you a Christian? And do, you, you know, do you know? Yes, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I'm following Jesus Christ. I'm born again of the Holy Spirit. If you don't, haven't done that yet, talk to me. Talk to Jem at the end. Talk to Brenda, who is with us, also sharing up here earlier. Talk to a friend who's with you. Get prayed for this morning. Receive Jesus Christ into your life and become a living stone. But secondly... Let God build you into his house. Don't just be a boulder. He doesn't say, you're a living stone, great, wonderful. He says, built together. Too many Christians are not allowing God to build them into his house. So they walk through life like a, like a, set, like a boulder, separate. Separate from 
their brothers and sisters. Not devoted. And we've got a culture that, of course, that promotes that, haven't we? We've got a culture that promotes being separate, being individualistic. We've got a culture that breaks us down into tribes, whether you're a teenager. If you're a teenager, you can't mix with older people. You've got all sorts of, you know, this class, that class. I mix with these people. I don't mix with those people. Oh, I choose to do what I want to do. I just do what I want to do whenever I want to do it. The culture we're in breaks us down into little units. Individualistic. And it's a strong tide. It's a very strong tide. We, we must fight that tide prayerfully. And we might, we'll only do it if we really truly believe that it's God's will to build a house of prayer for all nations. And that sounds good. But what I mean by that, be concrete, is to come to prayer meetings. That's one aspect of it, I hasten to add. It's, a, it's just a concrete example. You say, yes, God wants to build a house of prayer for all nations. Well, come to prayer meetings. Or wherever you go to church. Go to prayer meetings. There's more to it than that, of course. But that's, that's one concrete example, isn't it? So let God build you. In, if you're a living stone, let God build you into his house. Be committed. Be devoted. Wherever you are, be devoted. Be involved. Find community. Give love. Receive love. Use your, use your gifts. Encourage. Build the church for God's glory. As I said to you earlier, the buildings aren't for the glory of God. It's the way we're built together and loving each other. That's to the glory of greater glory of God. So firstly, if we're going to build a house, become a living stone. Secondly, let God build you into his house. Finally, pray for God to build a house of prayer. I know it sounds obvious. I know it sounds obvious, but I know I can fail to do this. And this series has really taught me and made me think, yes, pray for the church. What's the church you want to see? Pray for it. Pray for it. What do I want to see? I want us to become a praying people. And I can encourage you and teach you, but I also need to pray for it. This is what happens in Luke 11, 1 to 4. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive those who sin against us. But do you notice what they say is, Lord, teach us to pray. And it's not just that, not teach me. Now, I want to pray personally. I hope we have a daily prayer life ourselves. I hope we are walking with God. Part of our vision, myself, right? Myself, am I walking with Jesus? But it goes beyond that. Teach us to pray. Like a community together, teach us to pray. When we come together in Roehampton next week, it's not, it's not just for people who have a, a vision and a heart for Roehampton. It's for all of us to be there if you can. I'm not going to be, um, I'm not, you know, overbearing on you. It's for us to share these things because we're a community and we want to see God work in Roehampton. And together, whether you live there, don't live there, it doesn't matter. We together want to pray 
for Roehampton. So we're going to go to Roehampton and we're going to pray together in Roehampton. And I will pray with two or three. But I believe it's God's will to build a house of prayer for all nations. So if you can come, please do. But pray for God to build a house. Lord, teach us to pray. I encourage you to add to your prayer list. I hope you've got a prayer list, things you pray for. Please have a prayer list. Otherwise, when people say to you, oh, can you please pray about this? We tend to forget. I encourage you to have a prayer list. I have it on my phone. Well, I have it on, on, on um, notes that go across all my devices. So it's good. So wherever I am, I've got a pr my prayer list with me. Um, and I pray through, I have a prayer list for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. A different prayer list for each thing. So I have some of you, for, if, if, you know, if, if I've got a prayer list for the elders and leaders. I've got a prayer list for people who are struggling with different things. I have a prayer list for need healing, need, um, you know, who, who have difficulties in their lives. I have a little prayer list for that. I have a prayer list for my family, my, my wife, my children. I pray for the future, who they will marry. Um, well, obviously, Samuel is married now, so that prayer is now answered. But can I say I've been praying for his future spouse since he was born? And I'm so grateful to God. He's led, God has led him to somebody, and it's wonderful, isn't it? And I, I encourage you, pray every day. I pray for Helen every day, my wife, every day. I pray for Samuel and, Luke, uh, and Emily, my son and daughter every day but I pray for other things day, certain days of the week and I, I encourage you to add to your prayer list pray for the church to be a prayer, house of prayer it can't be much more important than that I find it's also quite helpful to write down a prayer so for example you could write down something like this Lord please teach me the humility to pray Lord please teach community church Putney to pray. Please give the elders and leaders the vision and wisdom to inspire this. Amen. And it's a very simple little sentence, but I find sometimes writing down a little prayer that you repeat and then let, let your mind go off all over the place is a quite a helpful thing to do. Write down a little prayer. Don't let it get all religious, but it's, it's quite nice to write something down. So however you want to do it, just do pray for the church to become a house of prayer please. So Jesus came to Jerusalem. He saw that they had turned the courts of the Lord into a market rather than into a place of prayer. He turned over the tables. He confronted them. And he said, he said to them, do you not know it's written by Isaiah the prophet, my house, we call it a house of prayer, for all nations, but you have made it. What are we making it, brothers and sisters? What do you want the church to be? What are we making it? How are we building it? How are you building it? May it be said of us, the band's going to come up, it's going to involve me as well, I'm going to put a Change my t-shirt. May it be said of us, brothers and sisters, on reaching Putney, Jesus found the temple courts, the hearts of the people, clear 
devoted to him in prayer. He found a people who were working together to build a house of prayer for all nations. Today we finish this series on praying together. But the work continues in building the church. There are lots of ways the church needs to be built. But I can't think of anything, a clearer vision and a stronger thing. The church is lots of things, but one of the principal things it is, is a house of prayer. A place of worship, which is what we're going to do now. Remember, prayer, worship is prayer. A house of prayer. A place where we listen to his word. A place where we seek him and pray. A place where we worship. God wants us to build a house after his design. A house of prayer for all nations. And I invite you to get involved wherever you are, wherever you go to church. Get building right there. And I encourage you, if you're in part of Community Church Partney, keep building here with me, with us. Let's keep doing this together, friends. Let's stand together. Let's worship.